Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Wednesday night Bible study of the Blessed Hope Community Church. And we want to give thanks to God tonight for this opportunity and also uh, this ministry that is the ministry of the Blessed Hope Community Church is united uh, with this uh, online ministry of a sound heart radio. And... uh, let me say that uh, the word sound uh, is taken in, from the New Testament. Uh, it's an old word for health. And so uh, Bible doctrine provides health for the believer. Whether the believer uh, is a new believer or a maturing believer or a ma- mature believer, Bible doctrine is vital for us. And uh, before we start our study tonight, uh, I want to say that we need to pray for the believers across the country and also unbelievers who are who have faced a fierce uh, weather. And uh, so this weather has been very destructive, so uh, please look after your neighbors and take care of one another. Uh, It is important that we rediscover the importance of community uh, during this time. Uh, So uh, pray for one another and uh, be careful. Uh, Take care of your families. And by all means, pray and uh, be thankful for the first responders that many of them have to leave their families in order to fulfill their duties. Uh, I remember uh, when we went through the fires here in California, uh, the first responders uh, had to leave their families. And so it is not easy uh, for for the community when these uh, events come to pass. So pray for one another and be thankful uh, for those who look after you and who are taking care of you. Uh, in your time of stress. Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I want to give thanks tonight for this opportunity. And I pray for the believing community. And Lord, I pray for those who are not of the believing community, that your grace would be upon all of us. And we thank you for your watchful care. We thank you, Lord, uh, for being with us Uh, when we face difficult times and leading us through and showing us your love and your leadership, Lord, with your your strong, everlasting arms. And we thank you in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. So uh, the name of uh, this episode is Leaning on the 
everlasting arms of Jesus, leaning on the everlasting arms of Jesus. So I'm going to be reading from the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy. So I'm going to be reading from chapter 33. Now, in uh, chapter 33 of Deuteronomy, uh, Moses uh, blesses the people of God. And it is remarkable that Moses knows he is going to die. And uh, Moses was to die on Mount Nebo. But in chapter 33, before uh, he goes to die, uh, we have these, these important words. I want to read from Deuteronomy 32 before we get to chapter 33 because I want to give you, provide a context for you. Uh, about this wonderful blessing that uh, Moses pronounces upon the people of God. And this is Deuteronomy 32, beginning at verse 51, which reads, quote, this, and this is God speaking, this is because, well, let me start at verse 50, uh, quote, there on the mountain that you have been, uh, that you uh, have climbed, you will die, speaking to Moses, and be gathered to your people, just as your brother Aaron died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. This is because both of you broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites at the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, in the desert of Zan. And because you did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites, therefore, you will see the land only from a distance. You will not enter the land I am giving to the people of Israel, unquote. So both uh, Aaron and Moses uh, were to die in this manner. They were they were believers, of course, but uh, and notice what God says about their conduct, their conduct. Uh, and I'm not going to say that they did not model uh, the appropriate faith. I don't want to use that language. I want you to pay careful attention to what God says. God says, because you did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites. Now, last Sunday, I spoke briefly about the word scandalon in Greek, uh, which means a trap spring. And it refers to a believer who lives in such a way that his life uh, entraps or snares uh, other believers uh, and solicits, solicits, solicits them to sin uh, and to their own uh, destruction. This is... Jesus used that word. And the, the biblical language is decisively different most of the time from, from church language, from sermonic uh, language or homily language. Uh, because 
God is the God of truth. He is, as to his essential being, truth. And so, uh, rightfully, uh, as we read the New Testament, uh, God cannot lie. And so God tells the truth. And so God, uh, Moses had a, a very distinguished ministry. But there was, there was this point where uh, God brings this up. And so there is no loss on the part of Moses. He is the outstanding leader uh, of the people of God. And uh, he is celebrated for his enormous contribution uh, to the word of God and, and to the people of God. He's outstanding in every way, and we are reading the uh, we are uh, reading divine viewpoint and what God says about him. Now, please understand that uh, then Paul writes in the New Testament that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we will be judged not for our sins but for the deeds done in the body, for our conduct, how we have lived. And uh, so Paul goes to great uh, depth and detail in speaking about the Bema. So we are enjoined by Paul to lay hold of eternal life, and we are, are uh, we are also told that he which hath begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Christ. And so, when Paul says lay hold of eternal life, just think about that language and think about what is going on here uh, in the life of Moses. And so. Uh, God tells him in verse 52, you will see the land only from a distance. You will not enter the land I am giving to the people of Israel. In chapter 33, uh, verse 1 reads, quote, this is the blessing that Moses, the man of God, pronounced on the Israelites before his death. Notice his attitude. Notice uh, the composure and notice uh, this man's attitude toward God. And Moses begins in verse 2 by saying, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned over them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came with myriads of holy ones from the south, from his mountain slopes. Surely it is you who love the people and all the holy ones are in your hand. At your feet they all bow down and from you receive instruction. The law that Moses gave us, the possession of the assembly of Jacob. He was king of Jeshurun when the leaders of the people assembled along with the tribes of Israel. So then Moses began uh, this is the blessing. Now, we know 
that chapter, this chapter was not written by Moses. Uh, maybe it was written by Joshua. Um, but he goes on and he pronounces tribal blessings. Uh, he talks about uh, who God is and what he has done for his people. Notice it is about the doing of God. It is about what God has accomplished. It is about the successes that God's people will have if they are obedient. Everything in the word of God with regard to success depends upon our obedience. Are we obedient to the voice of the Lord? Are we obedient to his word? So uh, God's people must go in and even though they had been given uh, this promised land as an inheritance, they must go in and seize their inheritance. They must conquer their inheritance. God has said, it is yours. Now they have to go in. They must be strong. They must be alert. They must uh, be daring and bold uh, because the people of the land that God had given them were formidable. Uh, they had uh, uh, incredible fortresses and incre- incredible armies, and there were giants in the land. And so uh, these were these were uh, these giants <laughs> uh, were all over the land of promise. But God's people had to rely not on themselves, not on what they saw, but they must learn to lean on the everlasting arms. Now, uh, the word everlasting there, it it means eternal, olam, olam, the eternal arms of God. Uh, the Hebrews had no word for everlasting. They had they had no word like that. And so when I uh, verse twenty seven of chapter thirty three of Deuteronomy reads, "Quote: The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your." enemies before you saying destroy him destroy him so I want you to get the context in which uh, we have these words so this is a chapter in which Moses is uh, blessing the tribes of God and in verse 27 uh, Moses talks about the eternal uh, uh, Elohim, the strong one of authority is your refuge. It is imperative that you and I uh, have a new vocabulary in our hearts with with regard to God. The heart has its own vocabulary. And uh, we have to, through the study of the word, learn to incorporate uh, the vocabulary that God has for us so that 
uh, as we believe the word, that word which we believe by faith goes into our heart uh, so that we might not sin against God. And it is that word that we believe by faith. Uh, that word strengthens and encourages us so that we, can, we will stop. There are too many of us who are too sensitive and too willing to uh, make our lives conform to uh, what our critics think or what our critics believe or, or what they want to see us, uh, the way they want to see us live, and uh, not what God thinks or what God wants of us. Notice, in the New Testament, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, speaks of the individual who built his house upon the rock. And when adversity came, that house, even though it was dashed against and beat upon with, a, with a ferocity, that house did not fall because it was founded upon the rock of the word. Is God your rock or are your critics your rock? If your critics are your rock, then you have deceived yourselves as they are self-deceived because you have built your life upon sand. And your house will not stand. We build our lives upon the rock that is Jesus. And then we are underneath the eternal arms. What a combination. When your life is built upon the rock that is Jesus and you and God is our refuge, that is our fortress, and we dwell underneath the eternal arms, you are not a loser. You are a winner. And so you are incredibly powerful. Eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the eternal arms. So when you have that kind of strength, when you have that type of security, uh, you're in that secure fortress that only God can provide. Notice, he is your refuge. As a person uh, finds his or her home, their refuge. God is your God is our refuge. And so if God is, is our refuge, we are afforded every opportunity for success in life because of who he is and his great provisions. So this book, Deuteronomy, is distinctly a book of obedience. Observe to do was the emphasis of Moses to the people. Everything depended on this, life itself, possession of the promised land, 
victory over foes, prosperity, and happiness. Blessing is the reward of obedience. The curse is the result of disobedience. Now, this is where the people of God understand this is where our success uh, comes from. So in the book of Deuteronomy, in in chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, we have a synopsis of Israel's unbelief. Uh, And so we are shown there that an 11 days journey by faith was changed to 40 years of wondering by unbelief. Moses expounds or explains or elucidates the law to the new generation uh, preparatory to entrance into the land of promise. And so there were 38 years of wandering in chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. And there are merely glimpsed uh, and stress is laid uh, on not offending the the Edomites or the Moabites. So in this book, it is also a book of remembrance and retrospect. It is important that you and I as believers remember where God brought us from. It is important that we do a retrospect as well. We see along the way where we could have been overthrown and our lives uh, snuffed out or completely supplanted by the enemy. And yet, uh, the enemy, and yet God was there on our behalf. Do you see that? Do you celebrate that? This book looks back to redemption out of Egypt. Where is your Egypt? And what is the Egypt from which God redeemed you? Never forget that. It is by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, so that no man can boast in God's sight. So this book looks back to redemption out of Egypt and discipline and punishment in the wilderness. Deuteronomy teaches both the goodness and the severity of God. And we see uh, in the discipline that uh, Moses underwent and Aaron underwent, we see the goodness and severity of God. I have known and experienced in my own life the goodness and severity of God. But uh, I am a student of Psalm 119, and there the psalmist said uh, that it was good that he was afflicted. It was good that he was afflicted. And God grew me up spiritually, and I realized that it was good that he afflicted me through discipline so I would learn uh, to obey him. 
when I disobeyed him and went astray, uh, it was due to my ignorance and my arrogance. And, you know, uh, God taught me what a winner is. And a winner is one who obeys the uh, who obeys the Lord. So this is Psalm uh, 119, uh, verse 133. Quote, direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. And that, in the Hebrew, it means have mastery over me. I did not want that in my life. Redeem me, verse uh, 134, from the oppression of men, that I may obey your precepts. That that word means directions. Make your face to shine upon your servant and teach me your decrees. That word decree means orders. I want to know your orders. I want God to teach me. Now, uh, this is Psalm 119, verse 67. Quote, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Now, uh, the writer to the Hebrews speaks of discipline, speaks of affliction. And in the Greek, he says, now, every son whom God receives, he skins alive. Now, that's the Greek. Every son. Son, whom God receives, he skins alive. Now, I know some folks don't like that language. But our God is the God of truth. And God tells me where I am. And when he shows me and tells me where I am, and when he takes me through divine discipline so that I will stop uh, sinning and stop following what? The, uh, the three enemies of the devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. Now, when you learn and when we learn the secret of obedience, and this is what I learned from God. He will open doors for me that I never dreamt of. He will bless me in ways that I could never imagine. He will teach me his secrets from his words and fill my heart so that I have no need to go astray. I have no emptiness. I have no thirst for things that are not of the Lord. I don't need them in my life. I know what God has given me and who he is in my life. He is my reward. As he told Abraham, I am your reward. When God is your reward, you have everything, everything. Now, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. So, verse 69, I love this too. 
Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I keep your precepts with all my heart. Listen, when God, the eternal God, is your refuge, that which which you, what you thought was formidable, uh, God will make the walls fall down flat, just like he did at Jericho. What's your Jericho? <clears throat> Do you have a, a situation that's a Jericho in your life? Or is there a person who is a Jericho in your life that you feel is standing in your way or somehow uh, keeping you from uh, being where God wants you to be in your life? Listen, I know a God who can cause the walls of a formidable fortress like Jericho to fall down flat. Kathleen Kenyon, the archaeologist, went and she found the tell that is the ruins of Jericho. And she carefully studied those ruins. And there was no evidence of fire or that uh, the enemies had the enemy had uh, enemies had pulled down those walls those walls according to her expertise and her studies showed uh, that they had indeed been made to fall down listen Notice what the scripture teaches about how God took Jericho. It was through obedience. It was through following his word. Well, God, looking at Jericho, it doesn't look like what you say will come to pass will come to pass. See, unbelief keeps us from being blessed. And if you hang out with unbelievers, guess what's going to contaminate your life? Oh, I'm a believer. Well, I'm going to influence them, and they're going to move towards faith. No, that's not usually the way it happens. It is uh, the sepsis of unbelief will creep into your soul. And you will find yourself questioning the veracity of God. Now, which, which is interesting because the one who questions the veracity of God never, because of arrogance, questions their veracity or his or her veracity it is always god it is always objectified eternal god is your refuge when you learn to lean upon the eternal arms you find that your vision clears your spirit clears and the junk that you carried about in your soul with regard to this world just think of their values. Just think of the stuff that they are interested in and want to do. All you got to do is read Romans 1, and you, you read about uh, the, the, the fact that they wanted to get rid of God in their thinking. And so God gave these people, they, first they gave up God, and then God gave them up, and God gave them over to uh, minds void of results. And that's really fascinating to me because 
of their thinking, their empty, vapid thinking, uh, God gave them over to their vapidity, their, their vapid thinking. And so as a result of their, their lives became existentially ineffective. They undermined themselves because their refuge was what? They wanted their refuge to be their ego, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, which are not of the Father. This is where they wanted to live. But on the other hand, you have this community of believing ones who understand that the eternal God is their refuge. And notice what God says also. I drive out your enemy before you. He will drive out your enemy. Saying, destroy him. So there's, uh, there's nothing passive about God. And Isaiah talks about God uh, as the divine warrior. The book of Genesis. Uh, Moses talks about God as a divine warrior. In the book of Exodus, uh, when God parted the Red Sea, God is called the what? The divine warrior. We see in Revelation 19, the divine warrior is coming back. Jesus is the divine warrior. If God is for us, who can be against us? When God is your refuge, you're Thinking changes about who you are and whose you are because you know that what? Your footing is safe. You're not going to walk around in mud, in confusion. You will make your what? He will make your path straight. And God will, will bless you because of your obedience. And you don't look to the right and you don't look to the left, but you look straight ahead because you know he is the source of your blessing. And you don't want to lose that in your life. You want that. Uh, this is Psalm, this is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs 4.23, I'm going to read there to verse 27. Quote, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring, that word means source, it is the source of life. Guard, it shamar, it means to guard or keep. Keep your heart. It is watch over your heart. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Now, 
I love the, the concrete language of the Old Testament. And it is this language which what brings us in, into immediate contact with life. And so it is what Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them, by what they do. By their fruits you shall know them. Now, how do I know what the devil is like? Look what he did in eternity past as Lucifer, son of the morning. Look at his rebellion against God. And Ezekiel writes that he was the anointed cherub that covereth until iniquity was found in his heart. And he grew, he became arrogant because, arrogant because of his beauty. And then he said, I will, I, I will ascend above the throne of God. Listen to that language. And then think about the mind, a created being that said that he would ascend above the throne of God, a created one. So that he would ascend above that, I mean, he which is uncreated, that is God, the eternal God. Think about that. And so after that, after he was, uh, he sealed his own fate, his own doom, his own ruin. And the lake of fire was prepared for the devil, is prepared for the devil and his angels. He knows this. The lake of fire is prepared. In the Greek, it is in the perfect tense. Listen to that very carefully. Jesus said that. So, rebellion against God reaps what? Death. Read Genesis 3. Adam and his wife did not merely fall. They did not merely, uh, you know, it wasn't merely uh, uh, something silly that they did. They they reaped spiritual death. But then what did God do? God, they made for themselves uh, aprons of uh, plants uh, to cover their nakedness. And it's interesting in chapter 2, at the end of the chapter, it reads, and the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. And then in chapter 3, uh, we read that the, uh, about this one who was the serpent, he was crafty. And that word crafty in the Hebrew is a play upon that word, the man and his wife were naked, and they were not ashamed. And then chapter 3 talks about this crafty one. You see what is going on here, and you see where he entered into that home? Because in Genesis 3, we have the ultimate, the first home invasion. And the devil invaded that home to cast it into ruin, called into question the veracity of God. You see why Jesus 
chase the money changers out of his house? Do you see that Jesus never used flowery language to talk about the devil and his exploits? Do you see that the devil wanted Jesus to do an oriental bow before him wherein his forehead would touch the ground, signaling that he would be obedient uh, and acknowledge the devil, uh, the devil's will over the will of the Father. And remember that every verse that Jesus quoted back was from the book of obedience, the book of Deuteronomy. I come to do thy will, O God. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. I come to do thy will, O God. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. It is not easy all the time following the will of God. It is not easy. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in The Cost of Discipleship, speaks about costly grace. And he also juxtaposes that with cheap grace, costly grace. begins with nailing the ego to the cross. And Luke uses a word when Jesus said, let a, he who would come after me deny himself and follow me, the word deny means to almost forget one's existence. You see, you see the language of the word and where God wants us to go to lead us out of the self into the promised land because the ego is so small, but grace is so vast. The ego is the wilderness because it is focused on the, just the narrow self. It is the wilderness, and it is bewildering. But when we truly follow God and do his will, he will lead us out of the wilderness. He will, he will make our paths straight, and God will give us wonderful things, wonderful blessings, wonderful realities, if we dare to believe him, if we learn that we must lean upon the everlasting arms, the eternal arms, our focus will become different. When your focus is different, your thinking changes. When your thinking changes, your attitude changes. When your attitude is mature and straight, you're going to see wonderful blessings. Because a strong, godly, biblical attitude will bring great treasures into your life. Treasures that don't fade, but that continue to bless you and to grow. Pray for one another, beloved. And keep in mind fellow believers who are suffering tonight. Think about the Lord, pray to the Lord, praise him, and you will see wonderful things.
from abiding your life. Good evening, and God bless you.